Good day, good night. This is Up the Woodworks. I'm Kevin, and what a weekend it has been in the MLS. A lot of unexpected results, unexpected winners, a couple unexpected losers, and one thing that we all expected Montreal is still undefeated. Come on, give it up. Come on. Who would have thought that after four games would have 12 points out of 12? Big game, even if Nesta wasn't playing, it was a big day for Calgary Met, his first ever start with the Montreal Impact, and played the whole 90 minutes, did great. He played basic soccer, basic things, small passes, give, his, his instructions was to give the ball to Bernier, when he didn't know what to do, always give the ball to Bernier, then Bernier would restart the attack, that's exactly what happened. Ferrari was Ferrari, he was always solid in defense in the middle very very big quality wins the battles all the duels he comes out the winner if it's in the air on the ground gets it great game great pass by bernier on the devile goal if you didn't see it it's not even nominated for the goal of the week but it's a great pass he curled it one touch curled it to devile ran for it crossed it in the left corner great shot by devile and one nothing. Devayo could have scored a hat trick on that game. It could have been the biggest game of his not his career, but his career with the Montreal Impact. Could have been a great game. Could have scored three goals easily. Could have put a lot in the back of the net, but he missed it. Romero did amazing pass to him. So did Bernie a couple times. Even Arnaud. A lot of big saves by Robles from New York. Felipe did a great shot, and this Robles saved it. It was almost like I called it last week. I said that Felipe would score a goal of the year, but Robles saved it. Saved it. it would have been it. It would have looked a little bit like the Maddox goal yesterday. It was a great weekend. Let's talk about a little bit about Devio's goal. The whole setup was made by Bernier, and it's a long ball. And the couple goals this year that Devio scored were off long balls. And Bernier said in post game commentaries on Saturday that they have to stop doing long balls to Devayo, but it's so tempting because every time they look at Devayo, he's always at the right place, at the right time, always ready for the runs. The defenders, the MLS defenders, are not used to having an European attacker always ready to make runs. He's not the fastest of attackers, so that's why he's a lot of times offside because he cannot be 2-3 yards off the offside and make it up with his speed. He needs to be close to the offside limit. So that as soon as the through ball or the ball goes to him, he's ready to go and can beat his marker then. Otherwise, he's not as fast as you would like a Niasi or another really pacey attacker would be in the MLS. But his play is great. He's always ready at the right time, right place to get the ball to... Even if the ball is at the other side of the pitch, his run will bring one or two... It's going to suck him like a vacuum. It's going to suck in one or two defenders. Right where, just to create a little bit of space so Arno can try a shot like he did. Or that Felipe can try a shot. Or Romero gets it on the on the wide of the pitch, on the wing. And it's easy for him to do a nice cross. And Devayo is always there. So, only two goals. He could have scored four goals already this season. Very happy with his play. Two goals is great. But they got to start... Possessing the ball a little bit, con control the tempo, control the the speed of the game on the pitch, so that 
because when you're leading by a goal or two, if you're always doing long ball, it's a risk that you'll get intercepted, you lose the ball, lose possession, and then the other teams get a lot of more chances to score a goal. So they got to start learning to control the play a little bit more. But the counterattack instinct still comes back. It's not Catenaccio, but it's getting close to it. Even at home, <laughs> they always give the ball to the team, say, you go for it, we'll take our chances with the counter. It's really fun to say, though. So we'll... All my predictions almost came true. I predicted... I was 5 out of 7. I predicted Montreal. It ha I don't want to gloat here. I don't want to... Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm 5 out of 7. Really happy. Almost look like I don't. I know what I'm talking about. I almost look like it. So, I predicted Montreal. Okay, I said 3-1. It finished one nothing. Still take it. I said that Chivas would have thumped Chicago. The Chicago Firecrackers... Because they're not playing like a big fire right now. So I call them the Chicago Firecrackers right now. Bottom of the table after four weeks. Really, really not good for Frank Lopez. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first coach in the league to lose his job. And mark my words, guess who's going to be the next coach in Chicago if it happens? You guessed it. Former Montreal Impact coach Jesse Marsh. Probably really high up on the list of future head coach with the Chicago Firecrackers. I repeat, it's the Chicago Firecrackers. Because it's not even lit yet. That fire's not even been lit yet. And Chivas put a thumping on him. And you know what Hell Chili said after the game? Which surprised me. Mr. Quote Machine here said right after the game, You know what, guys? We were lucky in that game to, to, to win. You won 4-1. And you say you were lucky. God, that guy's amazing. I love that guy. He loses like 2 nothings. like, whoa, we deserve to win. And then he wins 4-1 and says he got lucky. God, have you seen Agudelo's first goal when he curled it just around the keeper and it hit the, the, the post, the far post, and it went in? Amazing goal. It's not even nominated goal of the week, but I one of my favorite goals of this week is Juan Agudelo. Off a long ball that he controlled past two defenders and then curled it right around the keeper and went in. It... El Chalice says his team was lucky. God, you, you're playing great. Well, I still love that guy. He's my one of my new favorite head coach in the league. Is Mr. El Chalice. I just love you, guy. And speaking about surprises, more fails, I would say. Have you guys seen the Anibaba own goal in the same game? Uh, Chivas was putting pressure on the defense. Nice cross in. Off a, off a player, then a cross in. And Anibaba runs toward his keeper, and instead of hitting it with his left foot, with his back foot, towards the, the middle of the field, that has no chance of a home goal, hit it with the right foot, right into the goal. A very, very big mistake. And what a bad start of the firecrackers this year. The firecrackers are not doing well, people. They're doing badly. God. So after that Billy Joel song, we didn't start the fire, <laughs> they still haven't started. I just want to make a little correction. I said it was 5 out of 7. I actually predicted 6 out of 8, which is a little bit better. 
All right, I predicted New England, New England loss. And I predicted D.C., but D.C. lost. But Montreal, L.A., San Jose, especially my Chivas thumping prediction, Dallas and Houston all pulled off the victory for me to go 6 out of 8 in my first week doing predictions on off the woodworks, which is not too bad. I'll keep a tally, and every week I'll tell you my predictions on my Twitter, at off the woodworks with an X, because I'm cool, so I put an X at the end instead of an S. Yeah, because I'm cool. Yeah. So, go to my Twitter. On every Fridays, I'll post my prediction for the weekend games. Only MLS predictions. I'll only put my neck out there for MLS. Right now, 6 out of 8. Really happy about it. Speaking about MLS, I've been working on uh, articles for the next couple of last past weeks. And thinking about ideas and opinions. Because it came out, I can't remember where, but Don Garber said a couple weeks ago that he wants MLS to be one of the top four leagues in the world in the next couple years, in like 2022, around that range. He says he wants to be one of the best leagues in the world, one of the top four or five to, to, to compete with La Liga, the Bundesliga, to compete with the English Premier League, the Barclays, to compete with Serie A, and even the French League. Which we can always compete with French League right now, I think. But that's what he says. So I'm actually putting it out there, guys. If you have any comments on if the MLS can do it, if they will be able to achieve it, can what's the steps to do to bring the league up to make it a higher standard? What would be the would it be like Champions League play? Will like the Concacaf Champions League real if the MLS team win? Will it help with the credibility of the MLS? If we beat Mexican clubs more often, maybe it would help as well, like Seattle did. And So what would be the steps for the MLS clubs or the MLS to bring the MLS to another level, to bring Major League Soccer to a level where Don Garber says he wants? So is 2022 achievable? So let me know what you think at Off The Woodworks on my Twitter. You can email me at Off The Woodworks, again, with an X, at Hotmail.com. I'll respond to the more email I can. Don't be shy. Let me know what you think. So I'm going to already have an interview set up to talk about that subject with a couple of friends of mine that are doing podcasts as well, some of from the States. So let's check this out for the next couple of weeks. I'll, they'll come out in, in another podcast. Speaking about culture and other leagues, more the biggest, biggest attendance right now in the leagues, the top three, it's... Seattle, of course, with their big stadium, first in attendance. Second is Montreal, and the third is Portland. Just want to let you know that all those three clubs are former NASL club, and also all those three clubs have a bigger culture of supporters group than the rest of the teams. Those NASL, when you spend a couple years in the second division, in the second tier, as a supporter, you get to really love the game, get more passionate, because you're playing against teams from, like, anywhere, like Rochester or things like that. Like Charleston and uh, all... There's probably a team called the Firecrackers in there, too, but it's probably not from Chicago. So when you when you have a team in the lower tiers, it gets more passion for the supporters, and maybe that helps to create a bigger group, a bigger buzz, I mean, in the group, in the city, in the community... And when you get finally that franchise in the MLS, there's a big buzz, big happening going on that makes like Seattle can sell out 60,000 for a reserve league game. So that's what I, I'm, I'm wondering. 
what we need in the MLS to make it a bigger league, a promotion and relegation kind of setup. Maybe like you can get all the 18 teams or 19 teams that are 19 right now. You can get like like a buy that cannot be promoted or relegated. But you start with like first year, four comes up, two comes down. And then after one year or two, when it gets blurry, then you're allowed three and three. Maybe a playoff to go down or a playoff to come up. Can make a big event like Final Four type tournament, where you can get like the best, the big four biggest team in the NASL that play a tournament, and the, the winner comes through. And you never know, maybe that would help the MLS bring it to another level, to a bigger and more stage in the world. So maybe we can actually win the world, the Club World Cup. Maybe if an MLS team can actually win the Concacaf Champions League then goes to wherever the cup goes. I think it's Morocco next year. And actually win over there. Uh, it can be things like Corinthian did it. It's a Brazilian team. But Corinthian is more achievable to be Corinthian. Like even Chelsea didn't beat Corinthians. And trust me, it pains me. I love me some Chelsea. And they lost against Corinthians. I still can't believe that thing. That was a hard day. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning in December. It was snowing outside. You know how Quebec and Montreal weather is. In December, it's sloppy weather, sloppy roads, all slippery and all muddy and mixed with snow and slush. That's a great city. And on top of it, you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch a, a footy game on bad stream from Japan to see the Blues lose one nothing, if I remember correctly. Ugh, I wish I, I blacked that morning out. So trying to forget it still. Yeah, probably a couple of my friends. Morgan Green probably filmed me on that one. We're still trying to forget that loss. Still haven't won a trophy this year. The Impact won a trophy and not even Chelsea. Okay, it was a Mickey Mouse trophy, but still, it was a trophy after all. And you know what? Speaking about that trophy, that trophy might explain a little bit of the... With hindsight now, after four games, we're still undefeated. That trophy probably sparked that confidence right up and probably helped them realize their potential, realize that, okay, if we listen to our coach, we might actually get a chance. The, the tactics and the technique right now, I believe in them. They're playing for it. When you see DeVaio comes back across the back line to do a tackle close to the, on the other box and runs to the other box, box to box on a couple of plays in the game, shows commitment. And I think that's the biggest word that would actually describe the impact's play right now. It's commitment. They're always trying to be first on the ball, trying to first to win their duels, the small steps, trying to do those small pieces of thing. They don't dominate 100% of the game. Like They don't even dominate possession. After one half against New York, it was 68 for, it was 58-42. They were not even close to having possession battle winning. But the counterattack works. We keep our shape. We're compact. We're staying together. We're solid. Bernier is playing great. Played a little bit more advanced in the last game than against Toronto. And it shows a lot of opportunity came off Bernier when he was a little bit more advanced, closer to the, the midcourt. It was great to see. So if you're a fantasy player, if you like uh, fantasy MLS on MLSsoccer.com backslash fantasy, if you look for the leagues, I created created a league for Off the Woodworks. It's Off the Woodworks. It's a 15121. Dash three three two zero. It's on my Twitter feed as well if you want to look at it. One five one two one slash three three two zero. 
the league it hasn't started yet, created today. It's going to be accumulating all the peoples during the week and after the weekend with all the games and the points, the first league table is going to be out after that. So you might actually get a chance to win that league because all those big leagues of all the other podcasts and all those teams, big leagues, and the overall between you and me, we have no shots whatsoever of winning those. But with Off the Woodworks, we're like three people on the league right now, so you might as well join it right now and you could probably win. I'll try to figure out if I can actually make a prize to be won on that. Try to look at my sponsor's uh, possibilities. Might get a gift certificate at a restaurant. Might get impact tickets if I can. Or I might just give away a ticket of a game that I can attend. Maybe get a ticket in the cup to go see the Montreal Impact. It's all going to be figured out soon. But join my league. I repeat the code. It's 15121-3320 on uh, mlssoccer.com slash fantasy. Join it. You'll have fun. It's a great way to keep up with games that teams that you don't really follow. It's a good way to get to know the players in the league, to get to know more of them, what their stats, to get to know the kind of play they're doing, to figure out the way you want to put your team, how many defenders, how many everything. So it's a good way to learn it. If you don't know how to they accumulate the points, it's all it says over there. It's Everything's explained. And it's actually really fun. If you're not a big fantasy guy, there's another thing that's called the three-goal Monty. That's amazing. You choose three players that you think are going to score in that week. And you're trying to get a streak going. If you get a goal from all of those three players, you get a hat trick. And the more streak you get, the higher you are on the table. And there's actually prizes to be won just like the fantasy. So uh, check it out. Let's have fun. Look for me, Kevin Lagame, or uh, Adopt the Woodworks on those two. Just... Look it up. I'm there on Fantasy trying to come and beat me and all my friends. Like the two other people that are on there. Alright, after that dirty, hairy, sudden impact theme song, if you know what I mean, because there's been a sudden impact in the MLS this season, this is going to be my theme song for a new segment that I call my sudden impact thoughts of the week. So, little things to think about during the week before leading up to the games that I'll re-talk about in my next podcast coming up this Friday. So, first thought. Valentin. What's going on with Zarek Valentin? Is he still in the plans for the team? Is he gonna ever gonna play? Did Brovsky and we met jump and Yapikino, for a fact, more Yapikino, maybe Brovsky, jumped ahead of him in the death chart, death chart, and is he gonna stay there? Is Valentin, because now he's not under the Adidas contract anymore, so the team actually pays him his 110,000 bucks a year, to not play and be on the sidelines and eat some Oreo cookies and cook some food with Andrew Wenger. So, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Uh, what's going on with him? Another another thought about defenseman, Nelson Rivas. Do we keep him? Do we still pay his 50000 bucks for doing the Tour de France on the sideline? Or we get rid of him because we got Cal Wimet now with us. And so, is it worth it to just get rid of Rivas, save some money, and put Wimet as third, third one, third in line as a center back? So, that's a thing to, something to think about. Or, 
is we meant for real? Is we meant ready? Is he actually ready to be uh, third in line in the Impact roster? So is he going to be? Is he going to play another game? Is he going to replace Nesta in the next game as well? Is he going to get his second cap on the road next week in Kansas City? We don't know. Things to think about. And still, I'm wondering one thing that I just can't remember after watching all the saves that Troy Perkins did in the weekend. How did Nick DeSantis, how did NDS ever do to trade Donovan Ricketts from Jamaica for Troy Perkins? Olele, olala, I don't know how he did it, but he re traded Ricketts. Wow, for Perkins. So what did NDS do? Did he call the mafia and threaten Portland and like, okay, you give me a goalie or else? Did uh, Ricketts do anything for to persuade Portland? Like, did he say, I'll hook you up in Jamaica if I can go play for Portland? Or I don't know. Something ha must have happened in the offices or something because no good sense the directing technical director would ever make that trade to go get Donovan Ricketts. Like you trade one of the top five goals in the league, Troy Perkins, for Donovan Ricketts. For Donovan Ricketts. It's been six months that trade happened, a little bit even more than that, and I'm still stunned. It's the biggest trade ever in the history of sports, or at least Montreal sports, or for sure it's the biggest impact trade ever. They got the big the big hand of the stick, like we say, the big end of the stick, and how did he do it? What did he do? If you got answers, add the woodworks on Twitter, email me at off the woodworks with an X, because we're cool here at Off the Woodworks, so it's off the woodworks X at hotmail.com. Any questions? Any comments, any anything, hit it up. I'm Kevin, so it's full time.